is the Doing Diversity in Writing podcast, the show where we as authors explore the better practices of writing inclusively, whether that be in terms of race, gender, ethnicity, class, sexuality, ability, and so on. Why are we here? To bring more depth and breadth to the characters in our fiction and represent them in the best way possible. My name is Bethany A. Tucker, and with me each week is my co-host, Marielle S. Smith. Ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to episode 10 of season two, naming our fictional characters. How are you doing? Hey, Bethany. So just for the listeners, this is actually season uh, uh, season two, episode 10. Um, our last episode was not episode 10. Yeah, I must have misspoke. We also were figuring yeah. out the order as we were interviewing guests. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun. So uh, uh, welcome again to episode number 10, the real episode 10. Hi, how are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. To focus, I had to erase the news app off my phone, which is always hard for me to do because I want to be there energetically for mm-hmm. the world and what's going on. But I also acknowledge that I'm not doing any good if I'm not getting my work done. And I, I just had to make that choice of, I can go to my computer and check the website manually like once a day, but it can't be on my phone. Because you'll just end up clicking it and scrolling endlessly. Yeah, I'll do that nervous tick of like, oh, I'm anxious. Let me go see if there's some news out there that will make me feel less anxious. <laughs> Which is not happening these days. <laughs> Which doesn't help. So, you know, it got removed and I now allow myself to check the news once a day which I think is something as writers we have to just learn what works for us because when there's really big things happening in the world it can be really destabilizing to be on our screen working which is also our portal to everything that's happening out there and we have to pull back and go internal and still produce our words and still find that creative energy and focus on wherever that creative energy is for us. Yeah. Yeah, just this morning, um, like last year when I start when I started with my morning routine, like my first thing in the morning, like wake up and write, like before I start like my regular work day, um, I decided that I was going to keep my phone on flight mode. Mm. And I did that for like a couple of weeks um, and then I stopped doing that. And this morning I was like, I'm, I need to go back because this is a crazy week for me work-wise. Uh, I got this rush job um, that I didn't want to say no to. I, I didn't want to say no to that. Um, so it's going to be busy this week, which is fine. But it means that I also like I need focus, right? So this morning I woke up, didn't turn on my phone because I do lose a lot of time, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, so I completely get it. And actually reminds me because I'm also like, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard. Like, I mean, I mean, the world was on fire, right? Let's not deny that. Like the world has not been not on fire for a while now, but it's sort of like <laughs> the accumulation of all the things that are happening right now. Um, and I was listening to this episode um, on Unlocking Us. Uh, so for those who know Brene Brown, that's her podcast. And she actually interviews Karen Walrond, who she interviewed before. She's the author of the Light, the Light Workers Manifesto, which is like on my to-be-read pile. And Brene basically asked her on the show because she was struggling. Right? Brene so was much. Struggling. Brene Brown herself was struggling. Like you know, I, I I feel like I'm not allowed joy. Like there's too much going on and they have this really great conversation. So for every, for everyone who is struggling right now and doesn't know what to do and whether it's okay to put yourself first and, you know, not look at the news for a bit, I really recommend this episode um, because it gives you, yeah, it's, it definitely gives you something to think about, but it also puts it in perspective. And Karen Walrond is just the way she says things. It just, yeah, she. It put it in perspective. 
Yes, but also in, in such a way that you're like, yes, you are so right. Like, I don't know why I didn't know. Like, I, I, I knew this, but now I know this. All right. So we'll add that to our show notes. Oh, yeah. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, today we're going to be talking about naming our fictional characters. And for me, this is just a really fun episode. I think we're going to have, it's always like the back and forth and you see the Reddit posts of like, what do I name this character? I don't know what to do. And then you have the, like when I was a first learning to write as a teenager, I was reading this book on like how to write and it came to like naming your characters. And there was this one famous author whose name I forget at the moment, but he was big deal back then. He was like, I don't name any of my characters until the book is finished. I just use a letter from the alphabet. And then I do, you know, search and replace at the end of the document. And I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> but no, I couldn't are, do that either. There are so many strategies yeah. and it, they all kind of get us to the same place. So I think we're going to go through some of them. And then also in the context of diversity and race and ethnicity, contextualize, you know, strategies for finding names within that. Yes. You think I covered it? Yeah, I think that's what we want to talk about today. So let's see how we're going to get there. Um, so I, I would start by saying that it's really good to be creative, right? Like I think for me, naming characters is like such a fun uh, part of the process. Um, and it can be really hard, right? Like sometimes there's this character and you're just like, you name them this and then you're writing, you're like, ah, there's just something not right. But like this character is just not a dot, 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 whatever you've called them, right? Mm-hmm. So you changed it again. Actually, in my, in, my, in my YA fiction, this is one character who never actually makes it on the page. Okay. Right? It's like a character who haunts my, my main character. Mm-hmm. Um, like her old like psychologist, psychiatrist. There's still a character, though. Yes. And I, I, I still like, like I, I'm, I'm, she's been named so many different things. And I still still haven't nailed it yet so it might still be changed but yeah that's when I do like like control f and just change them all yeah (laughs) but definitely like for me this is really part of the creative process and I I like I like it when authors are a bit creative with names but I would also say like first things first uh, when you talk about basics you don't maybe you don't want to go so weird that no one knows how to actually pronounce it right? Like, because you want people to talk about your book. And if no one can say the name or yeah. even remember how it might sound. Yeah. It's like if, there, yeah. if there are too many letters and they're in a, in a weird order, it's just, yeah, it needs to be visually appealing to a certain extent. Yeah. There are exceptions to this rule. Like I was reading a book yesterday where this happened is like a fantasy alien like there was a character that was a demon in the book a demon elf hybrid of all things and his name was like five or six syllables long with like apostrophes in the middle and different like it was was very demonic elven kind of hybrid name and I have no idea how to say his full name but he had a nickname that some of his closest people called him and I could remember that, like it was one syllable and had like one vowel in it, very easy to say. And I will remember that. And that functions because there was a very good reason for him to have this long name and no one can remember it. So the nickname works. Yeah. Cause that, like you said, like sometimes having like a really long, weird name that fits certain character and it also can fit like their whole personal story. Like it can say something about their relationship to their parents or where they came from or whatever. Right. So sometimes it just works, but yeah, if you shorten it or you use a nickname for that character, that just makes it easier on everyone, including I think your character. Yeah. Like, I mean, potentially having a whole bunch of really long names is like a good way to have to print more paper when you put your book out (laughs) yeah it's actually I'm thinking you remember we we um interviewed um Antoine Bandele and he in TJ Young uh his his TJ Young series TJ's name is obviously not TJ it's uh, it's something that 
it's 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 hard for me uh, to remember now um because it really but you fits remember the character. tj i remember tj yeah but it's 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 really fits well with um where tj's family is originally from mm-hmm. and the thing is as well that so it's two names so of course he, he only gets the full name treatment when he's in trouble Mm-hmm. And it's like everybody calls him TJ, but his mother will call him by his first name. Got it. Yeah. So that is something that if you do that well, that can come up, that just gives so much layer already to how your characters function, where they come from, how proud they are of their um, roots, etc. Honestly, name naming our characters, especially main characters, is world building. And we just have absolutely, to remember that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. So um, I was just gonna do like a, a like a personal little anecdote. Um, go that for it. This doesn't only go for like the weird long names, right? That nobody can pronounce. Like, would you say that I have a rather common surname? Your surname is so common that we use it for people who don't have a surname. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I remember that my brother at one point in Las Vegas was trying to get a hotel room with two of his colleagues. One of them was a guy and one of them was a woman. And the the very unprofessional girl behind the counter was sort of like sniggering because his name is Smith. And apparently that's the name you give when you book a hotel room. Oh, yeah. When yeah right so he got really pissed off was like because she didn't need to see his passport or something and he was like almost like sort of like throwing his passport at her mm-hmm. because she was just of course a super unprofessional because she was just giggling but he was just like with two of his colleagues and she was probably envisioning what we're going to get up to together the three of them um in a room with that had enough beds right because it was a large room and he just got so pissed off, but he also didn't really understand this context because that's not how the words the, the name Smith is used in the Netherlands, right? So Smith, very common. But I grew up with that name in a country where people kind of spit in your face when they try to pronounce it properly. Like the Dutch don't do the THs really well. It's it's mm. it's, it's it's not fun. Um, so I grew up with I grew up thinking my last name was Smith without the H, which is a very common Dutch name. It means the same thing. Oh, um, okay. So I always had to spell my last name, right? So I have probably the most common English surname <laughs> in the entire world. <laughs> but I always had to spell my last name, right? Because otherwise people would just not add the H because it's not common. And the thing is that that gave its own funny responses because in the Netherlands, there is a tradition of people putting an H behind a name if a name belongs to a branch of a family that's more affluent or becoming more affluent. So we don't pronounce those. We don't pronounce those H's, right? Um, But in writing, it's sort of like sort of a marker saying, oh, this is, you know. No building or something. Yes. Uh, Not anymore, of course, because that doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore like that. Um, so people were always saying, oh, so you're from the rich branch. And I was like, no, I'm from the very poor, like lower class Scottish branch, but thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm just, just to point out that that's also something you might want to think about, right? Like that, how names are adapted in different contexts, even simple names like Smith. Um, to be honest, <laughs> I thought that you just picked a common English surname for your company to be understood outside of your country of birth I wasn't sure for like the first two years that I knew you that that was your actual name I was like oh she probably picked a name that was easy for other people to say I didn't realize no, it my- was your name <laughs> I thought it was no, a my- my- moniker no my last name is actually Smith right so this is the thing like you might want to think about how certain accents might not exist in a particular environment like try to de- really try to teach a Dutch person to say the th right it's 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 fun and 
you might want to bring an umbrella. It's um, really hard to say TH if you're trying to teach almost anybody in in Asia how to say Bethany, which is my first name, which is why when I'm in yeah. Asia, it doesn't matter which Asian country I'm in, the ones I visited or lived in, I just say call me Bainy because no one can say Bethany with any approximation of ease. And Bainy has syllables that appear in Korean and Japanese and Chinese, or at least close enough that it's it's easy for them all to say. I don't even try. <laughs> I just, my name's Bainy. Yeah, so that when you are naming your characters, you want to think about where they are in which part of the world, um, because, you know, that can influence how a name changes, you know, both and how it looks. Like, for example, I'm thinking, you know, what if you're writing about a family who moved from an area where they have like a different alphabet? Yep. And maybe in this country where they are now, they don't have all these little accents, which changes not how the name, not just how the name looks, but also maybe how it, how it's pronounced, how it sounds. Uh, which then might change what people associate with the name. So these are all things, and I know I'm, I'm hitting a very particular nerd level right now, but these are all um, things that you might want to keep in, your, in, in sort of the back of your head as you are naming your character. In my own family history, um, my maiden surname is Flaherty. And there are so many different ways of spelling that in America. And then um, I have a copy of my coat of arms in my family history, which were one of the lucky people that actually retained that as we came over from Ireland. And it's spelled with so many more additional letters and it has an O and an apostrophe at the front. And it goes back to like some of these poor gentry that were, you know, originally not poor before the English invaded. Uh, my grandmother was very excited to tell me all of this, but um, when we came through Ellis Island, like they were like, how do you say your name? They're like, oh yeah, you're in America now. Just chop all those letters. No one's going to care. And like issued us a new way to say our name. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that happens. That's something to keep, you know, to keep in mind when you are figuring out like what is the best surname. Uh, and the same can happen to first names as well when you move across cultural divides. Yeah, and it's okay to have both in your book and be like, well, we used to be this and that's just yeah. world building. Yes, you can acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely, yeah. So a personal rule of thumb that I have, and this is partially because I am a speed reader. I can read it over a thousand words per minute. And people who read that fast don't actually see individual letters. They see shapes. Um, I mean, we can see individual letters, but... It, it can get confusing when you read more quickly, which a lot of people who read fiction do. So if you have a whole bunch of names that look the same, if you just draw an outline around the edge of it, it gets really confusing when you're reading. Um, especially if uh, a lot of people read and they'll just like see the first part of a name and then assume they know the rest and move on. That can even happen when people are like scamming or really excited about the story. So one of the feedbacks I got early on in my writing career, like 15 years ago, is I overused the letter A for main characters. Like I had so many characters whose names started with A that people were getting confused because as they casually read my story, they would forget who's doing what because they were just all A. <laughs> so now I'm, I like had to go back and like painfully cut and change names because I was very attached to these names in that particular series. I'm just thinking about your other series. And I can think top of my head of one character. Oh, I was, I was almost brutal. And I, I changed a couple names before you ever saw that manuscript because I, I literally like write down all the names and then check how many. And I try not to repeat first letters. That way it's yeah. really easy for anyone reading at any amount of speed or if you have like a reading difficulty um, that, or if you're hearing the book, if you make sure that a lot of people uh, do their books via audio now. So you wanna make yeah. sure the name doesn't sound too much the same. Mm -hmm. Unless yeah. there's a really good reason for it. 
yes like there's always exceptions right but like so i don't have an issue with starting all names with the same letter like you do but i have an issue and i think that speaks to the same kind of problem with um, names that all end sort of the same way and i i am apparently a fan of two syllable uh two syllable names so this is something you don't necessarily realize until like you make this list and check right I didn't realize this until I started reading some of my work in progress out loud to myself. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, names can look really different, but still sound the same. So I, for example, have a, uh, have a preference for names ending in E-N or A-N. Like, that's really my thing. Um, and they sound the same. They don't look at it. And I was just thinking now, it's like even names that, are, that end in Y-N or O-N, like Evelyn or Winston, they kind of sound the same, right? You have if Aiden, you have Evelyn, Eden, Ian, Winston. I'm just like, so I had so many on, 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 on sounds in my, <laughs> in, in my uh, novel that I really, really had to sort of, you know, control F. <sighs> okay, what am I going to do about this? Yeah. 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 So it's really good to know. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good yeah. to know what your weak, like your, your weaknesses are in this uh, this respect. Yeah, something that I love to do before I send something off to an editor is make uh, a character list so that they know the editor knows exactly what everyone's name is supposed to be spelled like in case I did Control F and messed up or something, which has happened when you have a book that's as long as my series. Occasionally, things get changed and you don't find it all well I actually had a character and I wrote her name ending on en mm -hmm. no an and then I changed the spelling mm -hmm. so it's still the same name but it doesn't look like another name ending in you know an so this is the name Jean um so I did control f and I changed all genes j-e-a-n to Jean, G-E-N-E. -E. But did you do so, the apostrophe S version of the name as well? I, I, I did that eventually, yeah. But my first problem was is that, you know, people wear jeans. <laughs> the look on your face, I wish everyone could see it. You look so So, so this is where I learned that um, Jane All is not my friend. But checking every instance before you just looking up all the instances and checking them before you change them, that is my friend. Yeah, because that gave you, and, and the thing is, when you read it after, you're like, this is the weirdest spelling error that I've made. And it, it took me a while before I realized, oh shit, yeah, a couple of days ago, I hit like change all this particular name. So now everything that has the word genes is just, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So one exception to the rule that we talked about before we started recording is things like family names that get passed down. So like father, sons sharing names, which happens a lot naturally. Yeah. And then people like twins, people often get very cutesy or have a, a like a duality thing going on for twins or mothers and daughters or aunts and grandmothers, daughters sharing names. Yeah. So hopefully not everyone heard that siren running by. So aunts and nieces or grandmothers, granddaughters, mothers, um, these things happen naturally. And then you just have to work with it because people do have to know who's being referred to. But it is okay to have those repeating names. But like, Often, if someone shares a name, they'll be like a nickname in our own families. If we have repeated names through the generations, somebody will be Bob, somebody will be Robert, etc. Whatever. Yeah, and Bobby, and you know, yeah, yeah. I was just, I have this idea that I'm now working on, which is set in Cyprus, and in Cyprus specifically, um, there is this tradition that you name your children after saints. Yes. Right. So that means there's a limited. Like there are a lot of saints. I did not know that, but there are an awful lot of saints. But it's still, if compared to names in the Netherlands, it's very limited. Or names in the in in, in the, the Anglo-Saxon uh, world, the English-speaking world, it's very limited, right? Mm -hmm. So I was actually um, 
asking my partner because uh, they're I, I want particular kind I'm, I'm, I write particular kinds of stories right so I want names that are not necessarily gendered female or male right so we were just recently we we're just walking on the beach and I was like can you can we get some like do we have nicknames that could be applicable to both that come from a very typical um Cypriot or Greek name so now I have this list right of, nice. of but it is it is hard right like um because a lot like she has so many friends that have the same name yeah I that was is just uh, very common here yeah I was in a group in college and there was three or four men who shared the same very very common name and uh we I'm not going to share but we had just we used big small and variations on this name based on people's personalities and characteristics and that just happened naturally as our group came together for this week that we were together and then stuck when people yeah. went through college so that just adds a layer of world building and reality to our stories if we allow yeah. that to happen I know some people would be like, don't name anyone, don't have anyone share names. Well, that's not always going to happen. Like I had an editor, uh, well, it wasn't an editor. I think it was a beta reader actually. It was like, oh, these two people, like you've repeated this name. And I'm like, that was not a typo. In about 150 pages, you'll find out that one's the father, one's the son. But they were both minor characters and it, it didn't matter to be brought up. It was a plot point that needed to be brought up and it was going to be a surprise later. So for smart readers yeah. who remember the details like that or weren't too tired when they were reading, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that was really cool. Um, but sometimes you have to tell your editor, it, it's OK, that's going to happen <laughs> or, yeah. or ignore that note from your beta reader. Yeah, but that's the thing is like there's th this is why there are exceptions to the rule. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 so um yeah so like you said like and if, if it's if it's you know sounds a bit much right just give your readers something to help them differentiate just make it easier so uh another rule and this is i think a really important one is know your time and place and and try to have a good reason behind people's names like don't just grab whatever sounds good to you do a little digging about the background of the names that you're using yeah this becomes very cultural like you just said you were asking about uh, in cyprus um, people use saints names if you are in certain catholic families no matter what catholic version or flavor you're in like um, the Irish Catholics in my family, they really wanted to name all of their children after saints as well. And then um, my family, when we were into uh, fundamentalist Christianity, every child got named after a place in the Bible. That's how I became Bethany. Um, and uh, that's just the thing. It became a cultural and it can actually narrow the box of what you can choose names from and help you pick. Like if you're yeah. writing about a family that's in a religion, you'd be like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to pick all the names from whatever set is that that culture likes to pick names from. Yeah, which can help, right? Like, you yes. know, some some boundaries might actually help, yeah. And yeah. And if it doesn't fit your character's art going through, something that does happen is characters choose a new name or they change their names or they pick up nicknames or they modify the name in some form or fashion and that's okay it just gives you a basis of where to start from like I have a character who has a very highly female name and my character is fighting me like they're going back and forth with me on what they're going to be in the end of this series and they've modified their name in a way that's very gender neutral at the moment yeah so, but it's the same name it started they've just modified it yeah so this is the thing like gender is one of the things that has that affects like the names that we choose right because we still live in a very highly gendered society um but there's other things that also might have an effect on how you want to name your characters like the time period that you're in the race they have the ethnicity they have the language they use 
the very particular location. Um, what else is there? Class, actually. Yes, class is very important, yeah. Um, whatever literature is popular or was popular at the time. Um, parents' hobbies, what the parents read, whether or not they watch Star Trek. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> religion, as we already mentioned. Um, and uh, social movements. Like when I was studying Japanese history, I, I'm not going to reference a particular time period, but I remember that there were social movements that happened where parents were hoping where parents were either depressed or hopeful and that really affected like the syllables they put together for their children's names. Yeah, well, it can also be like a political thing as well. Oh yes, was... during the Cultural Revolution in China, ch children's names were highly political. Hi everyone, it's Mariella. Are you tired of getting in your own way and not having a sustainable writing practice? then the 52 Weeks of Writing Author, Journal and Planner is for you. 52 Weeks of Writing makes you plan, track, reflect on and improve your progress and goals an entire year long. It gets you to unravel the truth about why you aren't where you want to be and it keeps you writing through weekly thought-provoking quotes and prompts. 52 Weeks of Writing brings together every lesson I have learned over the past few years as a writer and a writing coach. Wary as I am of comparisonitis and unhealthy competition, I designed this undated author journal and planner to help writers develop a practice that honors their own needs and desires. If you're ready to become the writer you were always meant to be, go to mswordsmith.nl slash journal and order your copy today. Yeah, I, I was just, I just uh, last week um, edited uh, part of a dissertation and it was talking about um, uh, certain classes in Turkey using like names from the Quran, but also um, like naming their children after um, the president, the current president, that's mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And that that sort of, you immediately know where they're at, right? Like what they believe in. Um, or at least just, their just parents. Because you got to yeah, go yeah, back so, yeah, in yes. time. People live yes. through things. Yeah, so uh, the, the dissertation was talking about the kids running around and they were being called by their parents. So, so the, the dissertation was speaking of the parents. Yeah, like that yeah. sort of reflects. Yeah. But yeah, if you have the thing is, of course, you can have a name that says a lot. Right. And it can just completely not fit you because you are completely not your parents. Right. That happens. And that's actually something that you can play with. Mm -hmm. um, in your writing right like these sort of these expectations um and then you sort of you can turn it on his head if you want um definitely definitely yeah. and then of course like we have nicknames as well right and these are also influenced by you know one's culture one's experiences um things they they've done like you know what kind of occupation that they have or had whether they survived the war or not whether they've been in sports etc like this these are all the areas where nicknames can come from like you said um, in your in your example is like nicknames often come about like very like organically. organically yeah and you know like this is also not some like I think the funniest thing for me is when I read a book and the nickname is just so random and it's just it's sort of you know you learn later on that it refers back to this one moment in time when one character did something mm -hmm. and then you just like, and, and I love it when the, the, the nickname has nothing to do with the actual name and everybody calls this character, this name. Most of them don't even know where the name is coming from. I also like how nicknames are used to delineate power dynamics or how close characters are with each other. Cause yes, you often see that scene. Yeah. like, you're not allowed to call X that. Only mm -hmm. so and so can call me that, or only this set of group can call me that, or only people who were there then can call me that, and yeah. then your naming becomes very organic. So, the only thing I would say is that when it comes to humor, if you're writing about a society you really don't know, get your humor checked because what's funny in one language cannot be funny in another. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that's definitely something to look into. Yeah, yeah. 
And sometimes a name is like hilarious in one language and makes no sense. Like there was a, I'm not going to give any details on this, but there was a roommate that, uh, there was a set of roommates that lived in the dormitory when I was in China, because I lived in the dormitory at Nanjing uh, University for a while. And this one American had some behaviors that the Chinese students didn't like very much. They disapproved of it. So they gave him a name that sounded really close to the Chinese name he'd chosen. And it had something to do with a duck or something. And it was highly insulting and immediately warned all other Chinese people what this guy's behavior was that they didn't like. But he never caught on because he didn't speak the language well enough to get the humor. No, so and also like, it was so close to his chosen yeah. name. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so it was this whole, like, there were two conversations happening in rooms at the same time. And the students that knew enough to get it and the students that didn't were having two different conversations in the same moment in the same room. That is, that is stuff that you can sort of layer into your own work. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about resources that we've used um, and some of our own experiences, because all these ideas are great, but you're like, well, where do I go get sets of names to choose from? <laughs> yes. Like even in our own languages, in our own hometowns, sometimes we're writing, we're like, I don't know who to call this person. I already called the last cashier Carl. Like, yeah. yeah. And it is like for some people, I think uh, coming up with names is more natural. And for others, it's a struggle. Like, I, I also think we can acknowledge that, that like some people really rock at it and some just have a bit of a harder time with that. And they need a bit more research before they find something. But um, one of my favorite resources for first names is the Think Baby Names website. And I think I I've it- used it. Yeah, I, th- I find it especially useful since it allows you not just to search for names, like full names, but you can also click like names that start with, which is great for you. Um, names that end with, which is great for me. <laughs> names that contain, right? If you want to have like a certain particular sound in it or whatever, or a particular meaning in it. And then there's also a box you can take that searches for meaning and etymology right? Like mm-hmm. if you want all your characters, because they are from a particular region, they all need Hebrew names or Greek names or old English names or Welsh names or whatever. You can just look for Welsh and click that. And then it just yeah. gives you the list, right? So it, what it does, it gives you just, like I said, like endless lists of names, associations, meanings, variations of a name, similar names, popular alternative forms, and also how popular the name is or was. And the only caveat here is that the popularity charts are based on the US. It's a US website. Yeah. Um, So if you want to know how common or uncommon a name is in a different context or whether it potentially means anything problematic or unpleasant, you'll have to search the internet for that question. You have to dig a little bit further. Um, Like for example, you know, you find the name Winston and you're like, oh, I love this etymology and what it means, but I'm writing a character in South Africa. How popular is Winston as a first name in South Africa? So you just go on the internet and you just ask that question to the internet. Yeah, I really appreciated the advent of the internet because I was writing long before the internet was this helpful. And what I did is I I actually bought a a rather big book it was it took up a lot of my luggage at the time because I was traveling at with like one suitcase um a baby name book oh yeah and yeah. it was like you know two inches thick really solid but it was absolutely amazing I took it all over with me until it got lost during one of the moves um thank you customs USA but uh, they just totally took one of my boxes and said it was had never arrived. But anyway, neither here nor there. So this book had historical and or historical origins and languages that the name uh, came from, and then all the variations in different languages. And I actually love the fact that, and I I look for this in my online resources now, is that you can find a name and then find all the different ways it's said or used in other languages as well. 
Yes. And then as you're writing, if you're like writing someone who's traveling or something that might even come in handy, or you can be like, I like this name, but this person's family is German and the name came from England. Look it up and see if it ever transferred. Look it up and see if it ever came over. There's so many different variations of like John in different languages. Yeah. But I used to go actually, because I I grew up in the same street as the library. So I actually went to the library and looked at their baby books. Nice. uh, When writing. Yeah. So I did the same. I just sat down with my notebook and just, you know, flipped through them. Yeah. I did that until I started traveling and then there were no libraries in English near me. No, so you had to, you had, yeah, yeah, you had to have one. Yeah. Not not one of my problems. Yeah. Family heritage websites are also useful, especially if you're looking for surnames. Um, And then I would just say a caveat on surnames is that you don't always need them. And not everyone had them in certain time periods. And sometimes, especially even in modern times during war and stuff, families will change a surname. So you can think about that when you're world building um, or, or change like uh, some German families in the US dropped their German surname during a certain era of history and picked a new one that was, yeah. you know, vague sounding or from a, like a different branch of their family or something. Yeah, or change it, like drop, drop a few things so that it becomes more anglicized. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I also like once I've picked a name, especially if I'm doing more modern stuff, I'll just Google or Wikipedia it to see what's showing up because I forget what name it was but I liked this name for a character and I was like okay and I ran and then I realized that this particular name was like associated with a really big crime horrible trial or something and I was like well I'm don't want that to show up in the google research results at the top for my book I'm going to pick a name that it's least spelled differently so I, I shifted my focus on that name or I realized that this combination of name was like a real person that was doing something and you can't entirely avoid that especially if you have a last name like smith but (laughs) you you can play with it like make sure it's not number one or two on google search results can be helpful yeah because i I remember at one point i I had this name that i really liked and it turned out that it was like a serial killer and also the last name that I chose kind of fit it. <laughs> and that could like, if you're writing a villain, go go crazy, right? But I was not writing, that was not for my villain. So I was like, okay, let's take a step back and, and try this again. Cause I don't, so yeah, it's, and this is like, I'm not saying that you have to care about that. You don't right? actually. But, but, but for me, I'm like, like, like I said, like this is a different nerd level for us, like the whole naming um, uh, process. Um, for me, it's really something that I just want to, I, I just want to feel good about it. And I honestly spent like five minutes on that. Like I go, ah, yeah, this, yeah, this it, didn't it's take really fast. Yeah. You could just yeah. take all your character lists, Google them really quickly and decide, oh, I really don't want that associated with my book or I don't care and move on. And actually, while you're on Wikipedia, it's also great. Like if you found like a name, um, if, if you have like a, div- a, a diverse character, let's say you have a racially uh, diverse character and you want to make sure or you want to check how many people are actually of that ethnicity or race or culture that have that name, you can actually go on Wikipedia and see how many people are there who have that first name or last name or the combination. It's also right. a good way to check yourself to make sure that you didn't subconsciously steal a real person's identity. Because sometimes we can like just pick up stuff and be like a doctor. Give me a good name for a doctor and realize you use the doctor down the street. <laughs> well, that is actually, I would say that is less of a problem than picking somebody who's just picking a name that belongs to a famous person because that's something people are going to pick up on but yeah it is something you might want to keep an eye on also um especially if you let's say you've come up with a new combination but you realize that the two names you picked are like the most common in a particular culture which actually can happen a lot because they're the ones you hear the most 
if yeah. you're not really familiar with that culture, you won't even realize it. Yeah. So you might want to, you know, change it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, I also like behindthename.com. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so they, they have their they have their website for first names and they also have one for surnames. Which is super um, helpful. If yeah, you so include we'll, surnames. Yeah, yeah. So I'm definitely gonna include because they're two separate links. Um, so I'll include this in the show notes. But you know where else I look for inspiration, like especially when it comes to surnames. Yeah. What is it? Because you credit. told me and I was like, that was weird, but actually really smart. Film credits. Just so watching just, the like, credits. Watch... Do you ever well, have to like stop it because they roll by so quickly? No, it's... no. Well, I I could, I guess. Um, but how I like. So I never used to watch the credits, right? Uh, but my ex has a degree in film and television, and mm. made me sit through the entire thing. Thing each time we watch something, like I became very comfortable being the last person to leave the cinema. Right, the staff is waiting to clean up, and you're just like, yeah, okay, let's breathe. But this is a great place to look for names because there are so many people involved in filmmaking and like on all the different levels that, you know, making a film. So we're, we're moving beyond like the famous people who are actually on the mm-hmm. screen, right? And these people come from all races and ethnicities. Um, so I found out like as I was sitting there, you know, trying not to panic because, you know, I felt really The social odd. pressure. Yes. So for me, I just flipped it for myself and just like okay I'm just gonna see if I see anything that's useful for any of my books um now of course if 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 there's a name right whether that's a first name or a surname or a combination if it speaks to you and you want to claim it for a character of course you do have to then dig a little bit to understand more about the name like especially if you like you know pick two random ones you want to connect them um yeah if it's outside of your realm of knowledge then it do more research but we're not saying you have to research smith you probably if you're writing in english you probably don't have to research the history of smith no no it's a funny history um criminal history but no you don't really have to in in scotland anyway but no you don't have to do that yeah so if that if that's within your, your your range of knowing yes but if you are looking especially if you're looking for inspiration for how to name your more diverse characters uh, racially and ethnicity wise um yeah do then you know write them down mm-hmm. and then come back to them yeah yeah look them up and honestly looking something up is usually like five minutes none of this yes. researching names rarely takes very much time we're talking a lot about it but everything we've said like I've honestly worked through like a list of 10 names to set up a story in like an hour once you know the websites it's really easy but that's like, like we, we say we research and it sounds like we have like 20 books on our desk and then we have like three screens open, 27 tabs <laughs> in each. And like, that's not the case, right? No, it's, like, it's, it's really not. These it's like a days, notepad in a Google. Yeah. These days, it's really easy to just go like, okay, so that's not going to work. Oh, how about this one? No, it used to be like yeah. when I was a teenager trying to research names, it was like, mom, ask two weeks ahead of time. Please give me 20 minutes of the library. Bring extra bags for all the books and then like indexing. It would take forever. And now I can do the same work better and faster. It's like it's like five minutes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so so, we were don't, so about... don't worry about that. Yeah, no, everything we're talking about is really easy to do. That's why we said this was going to be our fun, quick episode, but we're still talking. Um, We were going to touch on a few more things for choosing the right surname, especially how they're passed on in specific cultures. Yes. So we're quite used to living in a patrilineal society, right? Which means that children often automatically receive their father's last name. That's, I mean, you have your dad's last name, I'm guessing until I took my husband's name yes yes of course yes so that's but that's also patrilineal that we take our husband's name it is but I actually took my husband's name because his family name is matrilineal and if I didn't take it then he'd be the only one who had it anymore and I didn't want that to go away for his line and there's so many flarities because I'm one of eight kids I was like 
it's okay. Bethany Tucker works, you know, really well. People know how to spell that. Yes, so, you don't have to. Don't so I, I took his yeah. name, but it was actually something my husband and I discussed whether or not I would do it. Yes, and, and when I had my, uh, I, I was never married, but I was in a civil partnership. So what we decided um, was to both add the other's last name to our. Yeah, you talked about yeah. that in another episode. Yeah. So this is something that you also want to keep in mind, right? But to talk about like passing on, like like you said, like in matrilineal societies, your children might automatically receive their mother's last name, right? This is something you have to look into depending on the culture that you're yes. writing about. And also, um, and I ran into this when I was living in Asia, in some cultures, the surname or the family name comes first and the personal name comes second. Yes, I remember um, when we were younger, you know, and like the World Cup was on, so I'm talking soccer now, mm-hmm. that this completely confused us. Mm. Right. And that also actually it, it took a while before the, um, the I, <laughs> I also remember that the people who were, I don't know how you call them, uh, the people who were talking through the through the thing. the commentators yes that's the word um so there was also a shift there that they understood that that was a level mm-hmm. right like especially like like you know like when when they're like playing against korea for example yeah right there's this yeah so this is something that i learned as i was watching soccer yeah so yeah. sometimes people's surnames are first and then in some cultures, and I learned this, some some Mexican families or most Mexican families, I'm not exactly sure, but at least the ones that I'm related to, um, the children receive a hyphen of mother and father last names. In Spain, that happens. Yeah, so that that's one way that um, surnames can also be done. Like it will always be a hyphenation of what came before. Yeah. And then another thing that I've seen is in some cultures... Um, it's not traditional for the wife to change a surname, like ever. Um, yeah. So you, the husband and wife will not share a surname and that's just part of it. So it's something that is so ingrained in us that it's like the sky is blue. You don't even see it, yeah. but it's a question to ask. And also yeah. like if, if you have a char- a minor character coming into your story, um, they may not even mention it at first. Like they may have adopted or adapted to the culture they're in. And then if like your main character becomes closer to this minor character, you'll find out that it's, oh, we adapted it. Like it's actually this. Yeah. So there's yeah. layers and just just ask, like where does the surname fall if you don't know the culture well? Yeah, and this is something, and this is why I specifically wanted to bring up this point is that, you know, like you said, like this society that we like this patrilineal idea of doing things, sort of this Western idea of way of doing things that's so ingrained in us that we don't always know that there are other ways of doing this thing. So when you are building a world of your own, it's really good to know that there are other options out there. And also you can create your own options. Like in my fantasy world, so I'm trying to create this sort of more equitable world. Mm-hmm. So in, in my fantasy world, women pass on their last names to their daughters and men pass on their last names to their son, right? Interesting. That's how they do it. And then my main character carries her father's last name for reasons she's going to find out in the first book. And that actually leads to all kinds of awkward and uncomfortable situations because that is not how that is done in the culture, Mm. right so why do they do so why it's it's about standing out not fitting in that's the whole theme of my book now the thing is that when my main character is moving to like the magical capital of my world she's actually wondering about this role and she like this sort of you know girls getting their mother's names and boys getting their Mm -hmm. father's name so she is wondering you know what means what that means for those and this is actually a quote from my work in progress um, for those who are somewhere in between or those who had two moms or two dads or realized they weren't a girl or a boy after all. Yeah. So she is, and I think that's actually the first chapter. That's what she's wondering about. Like, how does this rule work then? Um, so what happens in the book 
So I, I have a complete, like I, I said, like my, my, my nerd game on naming is like of a totally different level. So I'm going to get into that a little bit now. So please bear with me. Uh, you're just going to see something like another aspect of my crazy. Um, so what happens in the book is that individuals who come out as trans and non-binary, right? They make their own decisions about this, right? What name do we want to have? right? They can just change it. There's not like, I mean, if you want to change your name in the Netherlands, your last name, it's going to cost you money. I don't know how uh, that is in the US. It, the it definitely costs it's, you money here. Yeah. So in the Netherlands, that's for, so for my world, even though my world exists within the regular world. Mm -hmm. So for this particular culture, that's not a problem. You can just switch, right? Yeah. Um, because last names don't have that, even though it's something that people use, it doesn't have the same weight as it does in some other cultures. Mm -hmm. So the same happens to my characters with the two mothers or two fathers, right? They could yeah. just, you know, they just, their parents decide what makes the most sense. And if they ever want to have their other name or they want like to hyphenate the name, they can do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but actually in my world there's this magic book with family trees and it keeps track of all magical families in that part of the world that section um, of, of their community but this book is severely damaged and it's like made mostly unreadable for like various reasons that become clear in the series um, and this is why it takes a while before my characters themselves learn how the book keeps track of these situations so this book with this like super ancient magic, right? The book itself writes down non-binary people with both their parents' names. Mm. So they actually get this like double hyphenated last name. And the characters who come out later as trans, in the book, they always already had the other parents' last name. So it's like, Interesting. like so the book knew. Right. The yeah. book knows like, you know, when they are born, the book just knows who they are actually uh, who they actually are. So in the novel, like I have one trans character and um, they decide to keep their mother's name. After transitioning, mm -hmm. right, for personal reasons. Um, and that's fine. Right. And, and actually, the reason that this character feels comfortable doing that, like keeping keeping his mother's name is because. Um, my main character also has her father's name. Got so it. that actually sort of empowers the trans character to go like, I actually don't feel the need to change my last name. And because you have this thing going on, I think I can pull it off too. Yeah, I'm not um, the only one. Yes. And and like, so there's this, 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 this whole system uh for me like how the book knows and how the book decides who gets what name and it's much more open-minded uh yeah. than we usually do in, in society yeah but that was that's really important to me for me I have a lot of characters whose names don't trace back to any particular culture or place or or it's a conglomeration and that's because um I have a lot of characters that were orphaned or uh disconnected from their families or they don't know where they came from mm -hmm. and so I've just thrown names at them that seem to fit them or they chose a name or someone named them and they were named by you know within the context of whoever gave them a name as they were traveling or children or abandoned whatever so that's another thing where sometimes a name isn't rooted in where they came from but their circumstances yeah. and yeah. a lot of my characters in the series I'm working on right this moment, they don't have uh, a surname because they just don't come from an established family line or they're royalty. And so it's like, you know, John of X castle and everyone knows, oh, they're the leaders of that tribe or whatnot. Yeah. And yeah. like, I have another character in a different series and the, the main character doesn't have a surname but when she starts traveling through social circles that expect a surname, she just takes the name of her teacher and says she's of the house of, and then her teacher's name. And yeah. she just, she borrows from her history to create a name because she didn't have one. Yeah. Yeah. So these are all things to keep in mind. Yeah. 
Uh, and it depends, like it depends on the world uh, you create as well. Like for your world, that absolutely fits. Yeah. And yeah. translate all that to like, uh, there's genre expectations. Um, like a lot of romance books you read, people have surnames, but they don't play a big role unless there's like a family drama in the plot. So it's yeah. more important to have like, you can have a very complicated, difficult to say surname, but in romance especially, you always better be able to say the main two characters' names or three characters' names yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so just so, know your genre as well. Yes, like for, for me, like all these names, they have a point to it, right? Like there's a lot of plot points connected to uh, the naming business and that book. Yes, because yeah. it's part of your world building and world building yeah is such a huge part of the subgenre of fantasy that you're writing. Yes, but like you said, like in romance, it's a completely different story and it might, it, it's not as relevant. Yeah, I would say uh -huh. in romance, uh, one of the most annoying things as a reader to have happen is when too many names are similar and you can't keep track. Like uh, romances are often written in series now and if like an antagonist in one book sounds almost exactly the same as like the romantic lead in the next, it just gets really confusing. <laughs> in the end, really fitted my plot and their background stories. So in the end, it all made sense that these names came to the fore, even though on first glance, I'm like, this is not an option. They cannot have... The, the, this I'm specifically talking about three characters like you cannot be related if those are your names <laughs> but I worked it out and now it fits and it's becoming this whole thing in my in my in my work like it's and becoming this whole joke yeah I will say I kind of referenced this earlier sometimes an editor or beta reader will come back after reading your first five chapters or something and be like you can't do this with this name and you're like well just wait till chapter 10 and it'll make sense mm -hmm. um and that's okay not everything has to look right or look like you did your research correctly right at the beginning. Leave those Easter eggs, those surprises. That's good storytelling. And it's yeah. also more fun for you and the reader. Even if someone yells at you at first and then they get it and they'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. And that's, I mean, for me, those are the things that make me love a book instead of just like it. If that's done really well. Yes. Um... I will yeah. say if, if something entirely doesn't work, but the character's insisting that that be their name, you can play with the spelling, you can play with it being a nickname, you can play with someone from a different culture giving them that name. Um, there's a lot of ways to like, just dig a deep, little bit deeper if that has to be their name and keep trying. Yeah, because I think usually there is a, if, the, if a character is like this convinced, there usually is a reason why the name like that. Like I'm thinking of uh, Cassandra Clare, which I usually, who I usually think of because like her world, her world is just great, filled with great examples. She has this family and they all have these really like Latin sort of ancient sounding names, right? So they pop up in another series mm -hmm. and then you're like, who named these poor children, right? Because these <laughs> names are not common, right? Yeah. They're they're like, I mean, they're awful, right? Like, uh, or that's how I perceive them. But then, you know, in the next series, it is actually about this family. And then you learn about their father. And he is sort of like this kind of, they were like a warrior people, right? But he's more of like a... a a book person so he's crazy about ancient times and they have like they're in like los angeles and like in the desert and they have this sort of statue garden with like you know all this sort of like like statues from ancient rome and stuff so this guy has a thing and he's not entirely there but then you're like oh it makes sense oh. now but at first i was like what happened there like as a reader i was like am i supposed to remember all these and then and so then I was like oh that makes all the sense and they all got nicknames it was almost yeah. shortened yes but so <laughs> that for me 
that for me is great storytelling because it wasn't just like Cassandra Clare going, oh, I'm so bored. I have so many characters. What do I do with this family? No, they they stood out. But the reason they stood out is because they had a very unconventional shadow hunter for a father. And yeah. that translated into them having these weird names that, yes, people had to yeah. So that yeah. that's just fun. It's fun to color our worlds. Yeah. Yeah. In this way. Yeah. So I'm going to call it because I think we're both running out of time today. And I'm glad we managed to have like a lighter, more fun episode. Yes. And I'm hoping this gives people a lot of stuff to think about and also some um, encouragement to, you know, just start exploring. And if you have creative names, if you have a fun or creative story about naming a character, Write in and tell us about it. We would love to hear it. Oh yes, I would love like yeah. That would make my that would make my my day. Yeah, mine as well. Yeah. See you next week, everyone. Yes, I'll talk to you next week. joining us music for this show was written and produced by eric mills if you found this episode helpful please rate and review on your favorite podcast app and spread the word so other writers can find us too to get our doing diversity and writing toolkit which includes all bonus material from season one go to representationmatters.art that's dot a-r-t here you will also find our episode show notes Happy writing and see you next episode.